This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Antonio's left the building. Guerrero lifts one to left field, and gone! Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to A's Cast Live as we have another great show for you leading up to first pitch of a little A's baseball. Alex Coffey. You might remember Alex covered the athletics for the San Jose Mercury News. Uh, Alex has moved on and now is with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Wow, big-time step up for her as she is now covering the Phillies. Randy Miller, Yankees writer, is going to be here at 1230. A lot of criticism in the Bronx about the Yankees and what's going on or lack of action by the Yankees. So we'll talk to Randy Miller at 1230. For, for, it just says, Cody, he's a Yankees writer. Who does he work for? Uh, New Jersey Advanced Media. Thank you. And Alex Coffey of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Before, Aller will get the start today for the A's. One of the guys that's been brought over in a trade. He was in the Matt Olson trade, correct? Aller was? No, Chris Bassett. In the Chris Bassett from the Mets. So he will um, be towing the slab today as unless something dramatically happens, he will be in the rotation. I don't know what number. Is he three? Is he four? I don't know. But he will be in the rotation. Uh, 6'4", 223 pounds, and right now by MLB.com rated our 23rd prospect, uh, ranked 23rd prospect. Reality is he's 27 years old, not really a prospect. He is ready to go. And Stroman, who obviously is a legit big leaguer, will be on the mound for the Cubbies, and they're going to be from Sloan Park, one of the cool places. Uh, So Ho-Ho Cam, where we train, is where the Cubs used to train. And the Cubs basically are huge business in spring training because all the snowbirds, and if you don't know much about the Chicago Cubs, in the Midwest, they're a big swing and you know what. And they have a huge fan base, and their fan base loves to get out of the cold because they have miserable winters. Chicago is a great city. Illinois is a great state, but, man, is it cold in the wintertime. And they love to get out of the cold and come to spring training, and it's funny when you watch their games. I mean, even we'll think at times, like, wow, it's only 68 degrees. They got people taking their shirts off. They're white as Casper the Ghost, but they don't care. They're out of the snow and the misery, and they love them some Cub baseball. So what ended up happening with the Cubs, just quickly, is the Cubs threatened to leave Mesa. And they're big business for Mesa, the city of Mesa. So what they did was they were very smart. They lured the A's away from Phoenix, got the A's to take over Ho-Ho Cam. A's redid it, and and it looks beautiful. 
and they built a brand-new ballpark, Sloan Park in Mesa, not far from our digs, and it literally is one of the best ballparks I've ever been to. So one of the cool things about being an A's fan is you take that trip, you go down to Arizona, you hang out, watch our games, and you don't have to go very far to go see the Cubs. Whether the A's are playing the Cubs or the Cubs are playing somebody else, their ballpark is superior. Cody, have you ever been to Sloan Park? Have you been on that trip with me? Uh, I have not seen the Cubs play down there, but I've seen that they have a great ballpark. And uh, their, their second deck, okay, they have multiple decks. Their second deck is just tables going down the right and left field line, and you have a waiter at coming to your table. The di- then they've got a left field porch, so they got the grassy knoll basically and left and out through center, but above that in left field is another deck you get to hang out on. It is, uh, it is quite impressive. No, I've been to their other spring training uh, home. That'd be Catalina Island. I've been there once before. Did you go up to that field? I didn't go to the field, but I've been to Catalina Island. It's not very impressive. And they have all the Cubs spring training. I'm like, when was this? It was like 1950. I'm like, huh. My parents weren't even born when they had spring training over there or on that island. But it's still pretty cool. They How did old that. are your parents? Uh, my dad's 61. Yeah. And so basically, Wrigley, the gum, yeah. the, the owners, yeah. they own Catalina Island. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. So they would bring the Cubs out to... Catalina Island to play the Dodgers and there's a field if you ever go to Catalina uh, there is a field way up on the mountain there in Catalina where they used to have games it is you can do a tour of Catalina there's a little nine hole golf course you could do a little uh, you can do a little tour of Catalina I did my first anniversary there at Catalina Island way back in the day and uh, very impressive I got to tell you today's been kind of sentimental for me and Ace fans, I think you'll understand that this is our very first show from my brand new studio. This would be the third version of A's Road Studio that I've been doing for all these years I've been doing A's baseball. And we pulled out a bunch of, because we're going to do some video from here, and we're starting to decorate it, decorate it, and I pulled out a bunch of my old stuff. And if you're a longtime A's fan and you keep stuff, you put it in boxes, you put it in the garage, you put it in the attic, you put it wherever you put it, and then at some point you start pulling it out and it just brings back so many memories. Like in my hand right now, I have a Finley's Heroes all the exciting play-by-play action highlights and interviews of the Oakland A's 1972 championship season, including the playoffs and World Series narrated by Monty Moore. This is an album. It's still in the plastic wrap. It's never been opened. It's a collector's item. On the covers got Catfish, the great Dick Williams, Raleigh Fingers, Hall of Famers. It's got Burt Campanaris, Joe Rudy. I got this, I don't know, it's got to be over 10 years ago someone gave this to me. Brings back a lot of memories. 
I got my Ray Fossey bobblehead doll that I never opened that he signed me that we got out. I got the Dick Callahan after he passed, the coffee mug, just all this stuff just coming back. I got this, uh, if you remember, the A's batting helmet giveaway by Ross, Dress for Less. Couldn't even tell you what year that was. You know, a Sean Doolittle bobblehead. It's actually the gnome. Jose Canseco, Rookie of the Year. Ricky Henderson. Just a lot of stuff. And that's just just really not a lot of what I've gotten over the years. But it reminds you of your fandom, of why you're a fan of this franchise and all the great years and all the things that have happened. Not every year is a great year, but a lot of them good. And it brings back a lot of memories. The Josh Reddick climbing the fence bobblehead. I mean, I got all this stuff out right now. That just takes you through the years and through the relationships. The Bob Melvin uh, counting down to the record bobblehead, which is still in the box that I was supposed to get signed that I forgot to get signed. I guess we can see him down at spring training. I think we play the pot. Don't they come to Ho-Ho Cam while we're at spring training? I believe it's April 3rd while we're down there, so it's a Sunday. So, yeah, we'll be reunited with Bob again. I cannot wait to walk over to the dugout. And Bob Melvin's meeting with the San Diego media, and I'm going to make a scene. You don't write. You don't call. (laughs) See how he reacts to that. All right, really the, the big news about baseball going on right now is MLB and the Players Association, which I think this is really cool, by the way, the fact that Our sport is evolving, and our sport is recognizing that, you know, you can make change, and you can do what's best for the game, and that our sport can do it on the fly. They can negotiate. They can come together. Was there a delay? Yeah. But they got it done like we said it would get done. Well, we said it privately. We weren't on the air, but Cody and I were saying to each other, don't worry, it's going to get done. But look. MLB and the Players Association have reached a tentative agreement to expand the rosters from 26 to 28 through May 1st to compensate for some of the uh, issues that you're going to have, like going to Toronto. Right now, going to New York with vaccinations is going to be an issue. Uh, With a shortened spring training, going to be an issue. So the owners still have to ratify this. But the new rules, like the Shohei Otani rule is great. Shohei Otani can pitch, and now they can take him out of the game, and he can remain in as a DH. This is going to promote more two-way players. Thumbs up on that. That's good for the game. Shohei Otani's the, the MVP. If he goes out and has a rough outing for, let's say he goes out and has a rough outing for, three and a half innings, and you take him out, and now he can't play anymore, and he's one of the most dynamic players the game's ever seen? Is that good for business? For all these little kids, kids love Shohei Shohei Otani. I love Shohei Otani. I hate the Angels, but I love watching him play because he's a freak. You want him to come out of the game? Because that's the rules. 
No, change the rules. Keep that dude in the game. Because when he plays, people around the globe watch. When he pitches on a YouTube game, millions watch. He's must-see TV. A guy that is as talented as he is as a pitcher and as talented as he is as a hitter? I got to watch that, baby. Change that damn rule. That rule's archaic, and it's stupid. And what'd they do? They changed it. Good for baseball. And coming up next, the most controversial rule, you may hate it, I love it, I'm going to see if I can talk you into loving it next, right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, sometimes in life, you're going to be an outlier. And people are going to tell you you're wrong. And people are not going to believe in you. This is old Uncle Townie gathering around the campfire. If, 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 you, if you are somebody that has strong beliefs and the, and the norm doesn't agree with you, and most people don't agree with you, don't ever stop believing, don't ever stop trying. Because if we didn't have innovators, think about what our life would be like. Because there's always the negative Nancys. There's always the people that are going to tell you, you can't do it. Why would you do that? That's a dumb idea. That will never work. Everybody's going to be that way. But if we didn't have the people that said, you know what? No, I do believe. I am going to make this happen. The Thomas Edison's of the world. Think about that. We wouldn't have plumbing. We wouldn't have light. We wouldn't have electricity. We wouldn't go into space. We wouldn't go deep into the sea. All the different innovations in our lifetime have, be- have come because of ideas, will, change. And you might be saying, where is he going with this? Because I believe one of the greatest inventions and ideas in the history of mankind is starting the runner on second base for extra innings. Now, you may not agree because it's not what traditionally happened because you are the type of person that still wants to have nine-inning doubleheaders. When the average game is, what is it, Cody, the average game? Well, three hours and, was it three hours and six minutes last year? Okay, so that's six hours and 12 minutes of baseball. By the way, how much time in between the games? Was it 35, 30 to 45 minutes, something like that? So now we're talking about between the first pitch and the last pitch, around seven hours. That's not counting a drive to the game. That's not counting you got to drive home. So you're looking at essentially eight-hour day of nine-inning doubleheaders. Doesn't that sound like fun? You're forgetting pre- and post-game as well. 
No, no, no. I'm just as oh, you're a talking fan. About, you're talking about just the game. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. That sounds like fun. Eight hours. We're going to do eight hours of baseball. And you, traditional baseball fan, you'll be like, that's the greatest thing and that's the way it should be. Yeah, let me call my teenagers on the phone. We're 16. Hey, you want to go to the Coliseum for eight hours? You're down for that, right, kids? You're 16 years old. You got your cell phones. You want to hang out at the Coliseum for seven to eight hours straight? What do you think my kids would say? Absolutely not. Yeah, but the the, the 12 people out in the outfield will tell you how great it is. Well, that's not good for business. And this whole anti-starting the runner on second because that's not what always happened when you were a kid, I got to tell you, yes, I am being selfish on this, but I can prove to you it's good for business. It's good for the business of baseball. Not one person, not one. I don't care. I don't care from the commissioner's office. I don't care to our very traditional broadcasters, Ken and Vince. I don't care any team. No one can show me any data that says extra inning long games is good. You can't show me from the attendance in the stands. You can't show me from data with television ratings. You can't show me data in radio ratings. You can't show me data from streaming ratings. Everything sinks to the bottom of the ocean. The longer these games go, the later they go at night, you essentially are playing to a handful of people. But yet, everybody tells you how great it is. Well, if it was that great, I remember when, like, American Idol came out. Remember when American Idol was getting, like, 23 million to 25 million people to watch per episode? That was back when Kelly Clarkson was a star. And, right? Uh, What's her, uh, uh, Whoever else. Clay Aiken. And, no, uh, uh, the blonde. What's her name? She's beautiful. Oh, She's Carrie good. Underwood. Carrie Underwood. When Carrie Underwood was up there singing and R- Rupert Stoddard was another winner. Rupert. Rupert. Stoddard. Ruben Stoddard. Stoddard. Uh, God. Then there was a bunch of people that never did anything, like Taylor Hicks. and. Uh, but see, yeah, I don't even remember them. They were, they were like after like Clay Aiken and all those. Uh, I else. just remember the early ones. I just remember Daughtry like being the biggest one, and he didn't even Daughtry. He didn't even win. He didn't even come in like the top three. But he's making money now. Yeah, he probably he might have had the best career behind Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Uh, Carrie Underwood's king. She's made. She's a. She's a. Uh, she's a powerhouse brand, and so is Carol, Kelly Clarkson. She's got a. Kelly Clarkson has a talk da- show, right? Talk I've seen show, commercials yeah. for it. Obviously, I'm nuts. I'm not that part of the demographic, but I have seen the – good for her. Parlay that. My point is, that was successful, and the data show that it was successful. And that's why Simon Cowell and everybody made all that money. It's because they had 23 to 25 million people. They would watch the show the next night. My wife's calling in and voting. and I, There's data, right? When all of you guys like to be on Netflix – when you like to be on Hulu, whatever you like to be on, they're tracking what you're watching. So they know on Apple TV that a boatload of people watch Ted Lasso because they have the data. Narcos was a huge success. They have the data. Extra inning baseball games, eh, 
No data because no one's there watching. So thank you, Major League Baseball, and I hope they do it for a long time because it allows the games to get over. There's instant action. We're not going to the 16th inning. It's not 2.30 in the morning. There's instant action. And we got, the, we got to see the very first guy ever do it. Remember, when there's you're playing some type of uh, trivia game, they say, who was the first runner on second ever? It was Shohei Otani. It was a great play, too, to turn the double play on that. Matt Olson. Or was it a double play? But I remember they No, it was, it was Matt Olson got the ground ball through to the third, third to Chapman. Yeah, yeah. Now, how the rest of it worked out, I don't know who they threw to and got him out, but that was the first ever. I think the rule's great. It puts instant action. It gets us over in 10, 11, at most, what, 12 innings? I don't know what the longest game is since that rule was implemented, but, I mean, to me, I know I know people say they hate it, but how many people actually do stay up and watch the games? Because the data says it's not a lot of you. So... I, if the if if the if if the numbers stayed the same, I would have no argument. Hell, if the numbers went up, what if all of a sudden there was a blast on Instagram and TikTok and and, and Facebook and Twitter from the A's account saying we're going into extra innings, and everybody went, "Oh my God, this is great!" And then everybody came to extra innings. I would have no argument. We could sell extra innings packages. Extra innings is brought to you by Kaiser Permanente. But since extra innings goes into the tank, like the Titanic, it goes to the bottom of the sea, Chevron doesn't want to sponsor extra innings. I think the rule is fabulous. And like I said, it's one of the great inventions in the history of mankind. Agree or disagree? I like it, too, and I looked up the, the question. You said you don't know what the longest game was. Prior to to this game, the longest was 13 innings. But last year in August, the Dodgers and Padres went 16 innings, oh. and that was the longest game as the Dodgers won 5-3 to three, thanks to an A.J. Pollock home run in the top of the 16th inning against not my Padres, not your Padres. Ted Leitner's, Ted Leitner's Padres. Friend of the program, Teddy Ball game. Uh, I don't know if you have it there. Does it have the time of the game? No, but I'm sure I could find that. I mean, it's got to be four and a half, five hours. For 16 innings, you, you essentially played two games. And the Red Sox and Yankees are still playing a nine-inning game in that amount of time. Uh, let's see. If, let me see if it has it on the box score here. Should at the bottom. I mean, 16 innings? I mean, doesn't everybody have to go to work the next day? Don't kids got to go to school the next day? I mean, unless it's a Saturday or a Sunday. But you can pretty much say bye-bye to that. If it's Saturday, you can say bye-bye to your Sunday. It doesn't have it on ESPN's box score, but I know MLB will have it. So just give me a second. I'll find it. So I think I, I, I love that rule. I, 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 I think it's, in the end, it's better for baseball. And it's one of those rules that – you may not like it at first, but you just don't really notice these rules all that much once you start playing the games, right? When they expanded the roster from 25 to 26, did that cha really change anything for you? 
when they said that a pitcher has to face three batters, did that really change the excitement or the what you enjoy about baseball? Did that change it? I don't think so. I hardly notice it. I watch every game. You don't really notice it. You just get back into the groove of watching it. The extra innings rule just kind of, just kind of, you know, I got used to a guy being out there on second. I was thrilled to death when the game was over after 10. Do you have it now? I see. Yeah, I do. Five hours and 49 minutes. How many of you really want to sit there for five hours and 49 minutes? What what day of the week was it? Wednesday. Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. Five hours and 49 minutes on a Wednesday night. You, you, you're basically punting your Thursday, no matter what your job is. And how about if the next day is a day game? Well, if it's a Thursday getaway day game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It wasn't. It started at 610 in San Diego. So it was. Oh. It was a night game, but. A little earlier than normal because, what, the, their Padres games just started at 6.40 also? I have actually love that, how teams are – I remember we were in Cleveland a couple of years ago and Cleveland started earlier. I was like, why yeah, Why are most people doing this? I think the Mariners still start at 7.05 or whatever. And see, Dude, Dodgers still start at 7.30. I'm like, if you're a kid and they're playing three-hour games, I mean, how many kids are – you got to go to school the next day. How are you going to games? Yeah, the pot, that game started at 7.10, the – 16 inning game, and then the next day started at 6 10, so they started at an hour early. Oh my God. That is, uh, that is, I mean, it, it really is unbelievable. Uh, I mean, now remember that rule is only in effect for this year. Well, you know what? Here's what's really good about that, Cody, is we're learning that they now understand they can make changes when they want. And what do they have, 45 days to do it? Uh, that's the rules. Yeah, um, that's like the rules change, like the bigger bases and shift limiting and the. Uh, they can do whatever. They, you know what that pitch clock. You know what they can do whatever they want. That's the great thing is like now they're like experiencing, you know, because once you once you do that dance, it's like once you kiss for the first time, right? You know, when you start dating somebody and you kiss them for the first time, after that you start kissing all the time. So now that they've done this. Hey, we can change the rules. You cool with it? Yeah, I'm cool with it. What's best for the game? Okay. Now, all right. Now you can start really delving into what's best. You know who's been good at that, by the way? And you'd probably know more than me about it. But um, changing stuff in and out and changing stuff over the years and letting it breathe a little bit, hockey. Hockey's done a really good job over the years of saying, let's try this. And they gave it time. If it worked, they kept it. If not... They they booted it, but they gave it time to see if it's going to work or not. They did, and and we saw goal scoring go up in hockey uh, year after year. And I mean, it's even been up. I think I haven't checked this year, but I mean, you still see a lot of games where there's like eight or nine goals scored, which is fun to watch. I don't I don't need to see a, I mean, a two to one game is great in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but I don't need to see that on a Wednesday night when the Sharks are playing the the Flames, like, well, they won last night against the Flames, so that's a bad example, but still, you know what I mean. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're talking hockey here with Alex Coffey. Uh, Alex, the Philadelphia Flyers this year, are, are they going to make a run for the Cup? I can't comment on that. I have been in baseball <laughs> mode, so 
I would not be very helpful for that conversation. Yeah, I couldn't even tell you one flyer, so don't worry about it. Alex, I, I'm like, <laughs> I'm seeing your name. I'm like, I'm so used to San Jose Mercury News. You know, what's that? When, when did you make the change? And congratulations. Thank you. And it was actually the athletic. Um, so San Jose, right. I don't know who was running for San Jose Mercury News, but um, I made the change in the at the end of January. Um, so started covering the team <laughs> in the midst of the lockout, which was a little bit of a um, weird situation. But um, but yeah, it's been really great. It's obviously really different. The teams are really different. You know, front offices operate differently. Um, but it's been good. I'm just trying to you know hit the ground running. So. Well, obviously, everybody is different from the Oakland A's, and that's one of the reasons why <laughs> one of the reasons we love this team is that it is so different from everybody else. It's like a uh, it's like a it's like a business. It's like a family business that's been run a certain way for a long, long time, and it's very small and intimate. And then you get to a team in the Northeast. And the Phillies are a big-time uh, organization, no question about it. It Philly is known to be the hard, most hardcore fan base, whether you're talking NFL, NBA, NHL, <laughs> baseball. So in your brief time in Philly, what's it been like with the Phillies and their fan base? It's been interesting. Um, I will say that they're never satisfied. Um, they just, they just signed Kyle Schwarber. They just signed Nick Castellanos and the response, I got a ton of emails being like, well, why didn't they sign Chris Bryant? (laughs) And, you know, they got both of those guys for the same price that they could have gotten, uh, Bryant at. So, um, so I think that that kind of embodies, embodies the fan base pretty well. (laughs) Well, and I, and I got to think that Philly fans are pretty hungry because you signed Bryce Harper. That was a big deal. Um, last year, you know, if it wasn't for a just horrific bullpen, their bullpen has just been a dumpster fire. There were times they were in first place last year. And I know the, and, and I think the Mets feel the same way because the Mets were mm-hmm. in first place for the majority. And then it was like the Mets and Phillies were flip-flopping for the NL East. And before mm-hmm. you know it, at the end of the year, the Braves took off and eventually won the World Series title. But I got to think at just being a couple games over 500, knowing that the bullpen was so bad that the Phillies have to say to themselves, hey, wait a minute, why not us this year? Yeah, especially given how much they were spending. You know, they went right underneath the luxury tax threshold last year. So to not make the postseason was especially, I mean, I wasn't here, but from what I've heard, it was a big blow. So, um, so that is definitely what they have their sights set on in 2022. And I think the reason that you see them going over the threshold and signing guys like Castellanos and Schorber and, you know, it's going to be a lethal uh, lineup that they've got there. Now, the big question when I saw those two guys sign is, all right, the DH in the National League <laughs> is definitely going to help, but I neither of these guys – are not even adequate defenders. These guys are both bad defenders. How do you make that work? That's a great question. I don't think any of us know. Um, I think that at this rate, they probably need like five DHs. You know, like one DH is not gonna <laughs> is not gonna cut it um, if they want to pull some more defenders off the field. You know, um, but um, but yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see. I mean, you're right. I mean, statistically, these guys are not. You know 
like negative DRS. I don't know exactly what um, what their what their rankings are per fan graphs, but it's it's pretty low. So and the infield defense too, you know, they struggle with that. Um, so I think that the tentative strategy right now is to try to out hit the defense. And I'm not sure if that's really possible, but I guess we'll we'll see. We'll find out this season. Yeah, and maybe they can petition baseball to have two DHs. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> what now we saw Familia, we saw Hand. I mean, obviously there's things that they have to do to shore up that bullpen because the bullpen at times the last couple of years has and and I'm not trying to be mean, but it's been historically bad. No, it, it literally has. Yeah, no, that's not like a phrase that you're throwing out there. It literally has been historically bad. Um, they also added Corey Cable before the lockout, and he's looked great in spring training. If he can stay healthy, um, he's touching 96 already. Uh, you know, is adding a new. He won't tell me what pitch it is, but he calls it a mystery pitch to his um, <laughs> his arsenal. Uh, so I think that he could be a really great addition for them too. Um, you know, as closer, but, but yeah, you'll, we'll see. I mean, um, I think that as far as the bullpen goes, Knable was really the impact signing, you know, um, I'm not really sure. Familia is kind of like a ground ball pitcher. So with this infield defense, I'm not really sure if that's going to be the, the best combination, but I guess we can see how that, how that plays out. I love the mystery pitch. Yeah, no, I was really, I was pushing him on it. I was like, you can't just, you can just tell me he's an off speed you know, any hints? And he's like, no, nope, you'll just see it in the spring training game one day. So I've been keeping an eye out. Uh, haven't seen it yet, but, you know, we'll see. I can't wait for her to go on Baseball Savant. And what kind of pitch is it? It's a mystery pitch, but this is what it does. <laughs> exactly. It's uh, it's anyone's guess right now. But, um, but, you know, that'll only make him more more dangerous, especially when he's got his below where it is right now. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see how that uh, plays out. Now Herrera has been a mercurial kind of guy uh, for the Phillies, where super talented, but there's issues. What are they going to do about center field? Um, he actually quote tweaked something in his side quote um, a couple of days ago. So we don't. They're doing an MRI on him. We haven't heard what his status is yet, but um, but Girardi said that the competition for center is pretty open right now, um, and they have a guy that's actually kind of like a Chad Pender-esque guy here. His name is Matt Veerling, and he's a utility guy um, and plays in center. You know, he's pretty speedy, so he could see some playing time. He doesn't have a ton of big league experience, but, um, you know, all the guys that would back up Herrera don't have a lot of bigly experience. So, uh, you know, I think that he's probably their top candidate if he, if Herrera is out for a little bit, a little while. Now, how much was the rumors about Trevor's story uh, being on the radar for the Phillies? You got D.D. Gregorius at shortstop. Uh, where were you on the rumors of Trevor's story? You know, I mean, granted, take it with a grain of salt because I'm new to the team, but I was asking around about it and I didn't really hear much, you know, as many rumblings as I heard about Schwarber, Castellanos, so um, so I don't know. I uh, Maybe I'm just misinformed, but I, I wasn't really hearing much. 
Yeah, it, it, it's so that that was so, you know, listening to different people talk about that and like so many organizations supposedly were in, but they're just, you know, that ended up being a weird deal that he just ended up in Boston on a contract that obviously was way lower than anybody thought. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just this, 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 from the when the lockout ended to where we'll be on opening day, how it all went down, I and mean, even the Carlos Correa deal was strange. Just a lot of strange things about how they've gone about the business. How do you like the starting pitching for the Phillies, starting with obviously Zach Wheeler? Yeah, I mean, Wheeler's phenomenal, and he's a total workhorse. You know, I think he threw something in the neighborhood of 200, I want to say it was like 213 innings um, <laughs> last year and was still a sec- you know, runner-up for Cy Young. So he, you know, regardless of what their lineup looks like, he, I really think that he's the key to their success, you know, and, and they define success as reaching the postseason this, this year. So um, he's obviously really important and is – a little bit delayed um you know we'll see if he's going to be able to start the first week of the season but he um he had the flu and missed a couple days so um, a little bit delayed ranger suarez is great he exceeded a lot of his expectations um last year he's a young guy but doesn't doesn't really pitch like a young you know he's kind of got like a good mix of like um like carefree attitude but also maturity that he brings to the mound. Um, and I think that they probably want to look for a bounce back from Aaron Nola for for this year. Um, you know, I think that if those if those three perform the way that they want them to, they'll, they'll be in good shape. Um, but yeah, a couple of I guess a couple of question marks. Well, other than I mean, other than Kyle Gibson, they've got pretty much a young staff, which you got to be positive about. Yeah. Yeah, no, they do. Um, and I think having Gibson there, like having that veteran presence there is a good thing for them. But they don't, you know, it's not like, you know, they don't they don't really have a, a really deep farm system that they can lean on pitching-wise, um, you know, after their first five guys. So, it's, you know, there's not a lot of depth there. So, I think, you know, those guys, like Wheeler staying healthy, you know, Nola bounce back like that that stuff is especially important for them all right so I want you to handicap the division for me where do you got the Phillies and how do you think the East plays out uh I don't know I don't know if I really want to put something on the record um it's gonna be really hard to predict um well I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the Nationals will be last um Maybe Marlins fourth. Um, but the Marlins actually have really good pitching, so I don't know. I mean, I feel like people kind of underrate them a little bit. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I still think that, you know, it'll be Braves first and Mets or Phillies second or third. I don't really know. I haven't really seen enough to know how that'll be ordered yet. All right, before we let you go, I have actually done this challenge, and it's a big Philadelphia challenge. How are you on rating cheesesteaks? Oh, I'm terrible. I haven't even had a cheesesteak since I've been here. All right, well, on the, so there's this corner that's got Geno's and it's got Pat's, and they've been battling for years. 
uh, as the best cheesesteak in Philadelphia. There's people there they'll tell you, oh, there's way better, but what a I have actually done it. <laughs> I have I have had a cheesesteak at both. I, I, I can't tell you how full I felt after having two two cheesesteaks, but it, it, <laughs> I, I like Geno's better than Pat's, and mm-hmm. I know I've told people that. And if you're a Pats fan, you think like you're the worst human being for liking Geno's, but you're you're gonna have to do that challenge of which one you like better. You have to do that living in Philadelphia. I will let you know. I will let you know and I will report back. Well, congratulations on the new gig and we will be checking in with you. Be well and be safe. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a good one. Take care. Alex Coffee. It was the athletic, not the Merck. Uh, yeah. I always, I don't know why I do this. I always ask Cody and he always goes, no, I've never been there. I don't know what Cody and his parents did growing up, but clearly it wasn't moving around the great country that they live in. Um, have you been to Philadelphia? Yes. I went there a few years ago. Did you do the yes. cheese take challenge? Yes. Did you like Gino or Pat's? I believe it was Gino's. I like better. I was Gino's too. But I heard the one is my wife's cousin is dating um, a kid, and his dad owns Jim's, which is supposed to be like the real popular one. Okay, you can't throw a third one on me. I can only eat two at a time. But that's the one like Philadelphia natives like they go to. Like that's the one well, that's it's not touristy and. Yeah, but if but but if you're in from out of town, do you want to say yeah I went and did Gino and Pat's and I did the challenge, or do you want to say I went to Jim's and everybody goes <laughs> where's Jim's? I don't know. People in Philadelphia said it was bad. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you go to San Francisco, you're not going to go down to the Barcadero? Oh, that, that's a must. No, I, by the way, I've been but, there. But, but there'd be people who would be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, like, you got to go somewhere. No, you got to go to the Embarcadero. I, I, I have been to San Francisco. You got to get seafood on the wharf. You got to do, you got to, well, you know. Not me, but other people, yes. Are you going to, are you, yeah, correct, you know. <laughs> I mean, you, you're not going to go to get a slice of pizza in New York. Oh, you got to go out here somewhere else because that's where the natives go. I, I will give you one. I've never had deep dish pizza. I'm not a big fan. To me, it's like quiche. Yeah, I, I, like, I know a lot of people like it. I've just never gotten around it's to. Just a, it's just like, it's, okay, quiche obviously is egg and deep dish is, is not, but. That's what it. The, that's what it reminded me of, and I was like, "This is just like a big thing of dough." It, I don't know, and I and it's one of those deals that you grew up on it, so you don't know any better. It's kind of like uh, the Skyline Chili in Cincinnati. Skyline Chili Chili sucks. It's terrible, <laughs> but they grew up with it, so they don't know any better. So just just. To give you an idea, not to go off on food, but my buddy, Jason Babcock, if he's listening, call him up, Merrill Lynch. Oh, excuse me, Charles Schwab. Uh, he got the Skyline Chili kit. So you buy it online and they send it out to you, right? So he made at our Super Bowl party the kit of Skyline Chili. No one liked it. And I said, see? Because it's really spaghetti with kind of chili on top of it. Isn't there like Parmesan cheese too or something? Yeah, but it's 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 a weird tasting chili, but but it's not – chili is normally not with spaghetti. Yes, it's it, spaghetti noodles. Yes. It sucks. I've never but had it. But they'll tell you it's great. 
you know, so it's like people who grow up in an area and that's what they had. Like, if you tell me New York pizza is fantastic, I go, yep, it is. It is good. It's phenomenal. Have you had Permandy Brothers in Pittsburgh? That's like no. the most popular sandwich from Pittsburgh. Like I'm the most sure popular. it's delicious. By the way, both cheesesteaks at Gino and Pat's were delicious. You know, there's a good cheesesteak place here in San Jose. Actually, right, around, right by where you live. Right over here. Yeah, Amato's is fantastic. Fantastic, right? Fish Tacos Rubio's in San Diego is phenomenal. I'll take your word for it. Yeah, like if you like okay. fish tacos, you'd love it. But there's certain things, it's because of like where you grew up and people like, like pierogies. Yes. Where you grew up. They're big. They're good. Eh? Eh? Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You're wrong, but I you're, you're no. Cool. It's because you grew up there. But if you didn't grow up there, pierogies are. Eh. It's like I introduced my wife on on a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve, uh, to we used to do hot dogs and pierogies on New Year's Eve, while you're like before you start drinking and everything. That's like the thing that a lot of people in uh, Midwestern United States would do. Pittsburgh, that area, and as she was like, I've never heard of this before. I'm like, well, you know, everyone does something different for New Year's. My parents aren't drinkers, so they didn't go out drinking. Like, we never did any of that stuff. But, like, a lot of parties do it, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, hot dogs and pierogies and uh, uh, kibasi and sauerkraut. Like, all that stuff. It's a huge thing on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Let me ask you a question. Why is pizza served all over the world? Because it's good and it's internationally liked by everyone. Why are pierogies not served all over the world? Because people don't like potatoes and cheese. You know, shrimp, crab, lobster, steak. Certain things are served all over the world. Certain things are regional, if not just in certain spots. I would say there's a reason. You can get pierogies here. You can buy them the frozen ones at the grocery store. I can't go to a restaurant in one of the largest, <laughs> best places for food. The Bay Area is one of the best places for food in the world. I've. Traveled a little bit. Bay Area has some of the best food in the world. I don't think I'm going to find pierogies on any menu. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not going to be on there. Just just saying. But if you're ever in Philadelphia, you got to go to that. They're kitty corner of each other. Geno's and Pat's. I'm going Geno's. Uh, you know, to me, the NL East is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Going to be highly competitive. I agree. I th- I think the NL East, NL AL East, I even think the AL Central. Now, that doesn't mean everybody has to win 100 games to make it interesting. It just has to mean multiple teams got a good shot, right? The Atlanta Braves last year, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 88 wins? Correct. Okay. Next closest was Philly with 82. So – the team that won it all last year only won 88 games. We got into this before COVID, and the A's were part of it, right? A good host always brings it back to themselves, which is the A's. You know, you could win 97 games two straight years and be in a freaking wild card game. All right, well, guess what? I think it's kind of cool that a team won the division at 88 wins and then went on to win the World Series because it just shows you got to get in. I'm not – I I am not a – I think if you listen to this show, you'd know I'm, I'm not your typical traditional baseball person. 
And the reason why is is because I've worked in all these other sports. I've covered the NFL. I've covered the NBA. And you can't tell me, and Sharks fans don't hate me for this, but when the L.A. Kings were an eight seed and down 3 nothing to the Sharks, came back and won, pretty historic, and then won the whole thing. It's good for the sport. It's entertaining. Just watching a bunch of teams win 100 games and they play each other, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool that a team got hot at the end, won 88 games, and then won the World Series. I like that. I don't like the one team wins the National League, one team wins the American League, and then they play in the World Series. I like playoffs. I like streaky teams. Are you going to tell me you don't like that, the, 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 the Cinderella story in March Madness? I mean, how many George Washingtons do we have to have? Remember the Zags at one point were, were a, Cinderella, a Cinderella story? George Mason? I mean, you can name a ton of them. You got these, one right now, St. Peter's. These, uh, yes. Yeah, where the hell is St. Peter's? I looked it, it up. New Bro- Jersey. I thought it was in Brooklyn. No, it's. I believe it's from somewhere in Jersey. That's what I. That's what. That's what Google told. That's what Wikipedia told me. And so, so wherever it's located, you can see across into New York. Is that what it is? Jersey City, New Jersey. Yeah, you can probably see across into. Yeah, I was listening to some. Um, what? I was listening to some interview where they were talking about you can see. I thought it was in. You could. Once again, my. Whenever I'm in New York, it's a little hazy, <laughs> and New Jersey, uh, having a good time. But so, where is it? Jersey City, New Jersey. And you can see from there. You can see New York. I think probably. Okay, whatever. Uh, Fifteen seed, by the way, St. Peter's. That's not a good story. It's a great story. There's that's not a, a lot of fun. There's an eleven seed in there too. Iowa State's in the Sweet Sixteen. The Cyclones. You got the. You got the uh, Sweet 16 at Chase Center starting tomorrow. Gonzaga and Duke. Coach K's there. God, I can't wait to see him lose. Wow. You're hating on Coach K? Um, I'm over Coach K. You don't want to send him out? That's a hot, I don't care if it's a hot take or not. He's, wow. I don't want to see Duke win. They got a nice team. but Everybody hates Duke. C- Coach K, he's had a nice run. I, it's let Mark Few win a title. It's about time Gonzaga wins something. Are you of the camp that I do not want to hear about your bracket? Um, I feel like it gets more like each year. Uh, I grow more and more to I'm that guy. I don't. I'll do it with, like a couple of my friends, but like I don't need to read about everyone's bracket on Twitter. Sorry. So yes. as, as I was doing some of the finishing touches to my new studio, what do you think? Oh, I love it. Look at the room we got. I know. It's much bigger than what we had before here. I mean. We had a lot of room in my apartment, just there was no soundproofing. And a dog that was barking and cars going by. And, and your dog chewing on all my stuff. Yeah. Well, she's three, almost four. So, um, as I was doing the finishing touches and listening to, and you know I love promoting them because they got a great product and they're all friends of the program, Sirius XM. I love the MLB channel on there. I'm not going to say who it is, but this person nonstop kept talking about, oh, brackets are busted. And I'm just like, there are people who love talking about they're infatuated with their own bracket and they love telling you about their bracket and how their brackets busted. It's like they get off on it. It's weird. 
And I guess you, I mean, some people, like I worked with a guy, I can't remember, this was this was early on in my career at KMBR, so this is like late 90s, who actually said his favorite day of the year was Selection, it was Selection Sunday back then. Is it's, it still still the it's still Selection Sunday. But remember yeah. how it was different back then? Because there wasn't play-ins, there wasn't any, I mean, it, it was. It was just 64 teams. This was it, yeah. boom. And said that was his favorite. I'm like, you're telling me you like that better than the Super Bowl? Oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. I was like, okay. But there's some people who get so into March Madness that they they feel they have to tell you about their bracket. I just want to know where you are on that. Like I said, I've grown less and less that I want to hear about it. Um, you know, I, I'm, I was that guy before when I would, I would be pissed when I picked Virginia to win it all and they'd lose. Like they lost to a 16 seed a few years ago. But then one year I felt vindicated because I picked the win and they won. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really care to hear about it anymore. It's like when you talk to people about – when people, you know, before we tell you about your fan, their fantasy football team. That's, oh, yeah, that's, that's – yeah. If you're in the same league together, I'll, I'll let it go. But if you're in different leagues, like, I don't want to hear about it. I will never forget. I will never forget where I was and how angry I was. In, in, in Las Gatas here down the South Bay, there's a sports bar called Double D's. Great sports bar, good food. The the two Devincenzi brothers, great guys. Known them for years. Uh, support their product. Go into there. And I had money on a game. And I'm not winning at the time. So you can imagine, I'm not in the best of moods. <laughs> this is years ago now. And the guy next to me is that guy at a table with his laptop, his laptop out, following all of his... Once again, this is a long time ago. I did not work for the A's when this happened. Do not bet anymore. But this guy is rooting for everything because he has like a guy every... You're to sports bar, so all these games are on, and he literally has a guy on every single time. Well, he ends up having like multiple guys on the team that I've bet against, <laughs> right? So as I'm losing and his fantasy guys are successful and he's acting like this is the seventh game of the World Series, I kept getting angrier and angrier and angrier to finally I was just like, bro, you got to stop. He was really cool about it. I'm like, whatever you, you think you're going to win this week in fantasy, there's no money changing hands. And other people over here are betting on these games because at that time, you know, people would bet and they'd be in this bar together. And it's like, you, you're, 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 you're hooting and hollering against us. Now, if, if he was rooting for that other team, totally cool for it, right? But he wasn't. He's not rooting for the team. He's rooting for his fantasy team, which fried me. Yeah, that happens a lot, it seems like, especially at sports bars. That happens like, like, let, let, look, just so if, if, if you're a um, – we'll stay in Florida. If you're a Buccaneers fan and they're playing um, the Dolphins and the Dolphins are winning and the guy next to you is a Dolphins fan, hey, cool, right? If you had issues with that, you shouldn't go to – 
But if he just because he's got a wide receiver and a running back on the Dolphins, and that's why he thinks this is the greatest thing in the world, you're like, bro. Speaking of the Dolphins. Settle down. Speaking of the Dolphins, quickly for our NFL fans, Tyreek Hill now a Dolphin. What's going on with the Chiefs? I mean, as a Raiders fan, cons- I am get his ass out of the division, but what the hell's going on? Are they conceding to the notion that this is the Raiders division now with Devontae Adams? I mean, the Chargers, they, they did add uh, Khalil Mack. Josh McDaniels era has begun <laughs> in Las Vegas. Um, I don't want to switch gears, but I will. Um, this is from Ken Rosenthal, if we want to get back to baseball for a second. This is from Ken Rosenthal about an hour ago. Teams in discussions with the A stay, say Oakland currently is focused on trading left-handed pitcher Sean Manaya and is waiting to decide how to proceed with right-handed pitcher Frankie Montas. Now, both guys agreed to arbitration deals yesterday, along with Lou Trevino and Ramon Laureano. Nine-plus and five-plus, yep. Montas and Manaya. So, I, I have a feeling. I don't know. Um you can see on my phone calls here, has David Force or Billy Bean called me? Uh, no. I will say this. Had a great conversation with the new skipper of our ball club, Mark Kotze, yesterday after the game. I'm pretty sure. Didn't he call you when we were doing the show on Monday? And I couldn't answer. <laughs> How about that? The manager calls, and you're like, oh, my God, I can't answer. It's one of those It's one of those. you get to call, and you send a text back, busy, call you later. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Uh Mark Kotze will be joining us every single week on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. So the manager's show will be right here exclusively. Now, there'll be times where he can go different places, obviously, but every single week you want to hear the manager, you got to come to A's Cast, and you got to come to A's Cast Live. Mark Kotze, David Force, the general manager, exclusively every week here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Uh, let's see. You're if, welcome. Let's see if Kotze will do video with us. Remember how, how? Remember when we got to do Bob to do a video a few times? He would just be sitting there in an empty room and just staring at us. I'm like, and it's it was it was fun to do it, but I think Kotze might be more open to doing it. By the way, Kotze wants to be consistent too. By the way, which is nice. So same day, same day, same time. Oh, so you know what? He doesn't want to do it at Saturday at seven thirty-five in the morning. Uh, <laughs> or, or or hey, where are you? Come to my office right now. Yeah. That was my favorite. Hey, let's go down the bike ride. Give me a call. <laughs> I mean, literally, I'd be, like, getting ready for our A's Cast Live show on the field. We've got, like, 20 minutes before the show starts. Melvin would text me, come to my office. Let's do it right now. And when the skipper says, let's go, you got you to gotta go. Right? Remember that? And I'd be like, all right. And I'd have to run up. And I never knew. There was one time in Seattle. There was one time in Seattle. It was after BP, and it was because I was going with the team from Seattle to Detroit, I think. And Melvin, like literally no one's supposed to be in there but players and coaches. He's like, no, no, come in. Let's do it now. And I'm like, okay. So we never knew what day, what time each week with Melvin. Looks like Cots Cots wants to uh, line up a certain exact time. Ready to rock. This is when we do it. Let's make it easy for everybody. I like that idea. I knew you would love that idea. Well, yeah, because I don't, I don't, I don't want the, because it happened a lot too, and, and it's you know nothing against Bob at all. Um, he, well, he's not here anymore, so I'll just they can no, tell about we it. We love Bob. Bob, yeah. Bob, Bob, Bob is Bob is Bob's a friend. Bob is great people, and whether he's a padre. Or whoever, I mean, whoever Bob goes for, we will root for. Because Bob couldn't have been greater to us as people 
as and the way he treated us with professionalism, the way he protected us at times. You know, there were times where Bob was like, hey, uh, Bob helped in a lot of ways. And I don't I don't know if I fully want to disclose it all, but Bob was so unique the way he the way he treated us. Um, we'll always have nothing but love for Bob Melvin. So coming up next, why those figures for Mania and Montas, why I think they're big. We'll tell you next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, I can't wait for A's fans to see what the new studio looks like. It's going to be like A's porn. I mean, I got so much stuff. I got a Joe Rudy jersey. I mean, all the different. I mean, we got so many things to put up around here that they're going to love. They're going to absolutely love it. All right. I don't know, and we'll have to ask this for David Force next time. When did we talk to him last? Was it Monday? It was the last last Friday, I would say, we talked to okay. him. Okay. So the next time we talk to David Force, actually, we'll probably have to wait to see if these guys get traded. But how does that work? Because I'd have to think as a business, right? I would have to think. I would rather you deal with the player in arbitration and then I'll trade for him. Like, if you trade for a guy, now I I got to negotiate with him. I got to go through all this. And then if he doesn't like it, I then have to actually go to arbitration with him. And he's not even really my player. He's never played a game for me. Why would I want to deal with that? i rather you deal with it, and then once you come together with a, a, a price, then I trade for him, and I don't got to worry about it. I don't have the hassle. Now, I would think that's how you'd want to do business. I don't know if that is the case. Do you have here on the playbook what they got? Yeah, I think Manai. I have it at the very top. Um, if I don't, then it was like it was nine point eight. It was nine something for Montas. Like, no, no, nine point eight for Manai or something like that. Well, and nine point, was, and, and it was five point. It was like five point zero two five million for Frankie. Here you go, Manai at nine point seven five. Uh, Frankie got five and change. Yeah, five point zero two five. So our teams looking at this saying, let the A's deal with that. Now that that's set, now we trade for him. Or does that just not even matter? Well, uh, the, okay, so I see what you're saying with that, but look at what happened with Matt, uh, Matt Olson. Matt Olson was traded. He was an arbitration guy, and he, res- he resigned for eight years. Matt Chapman just agreed to a two-year deal worth $25 million with the Blue Jays, so bought out his last two years of arbitration. The only guy that didn't agree to a deal, Chris Bassett and the Mets didn't agree, so I think they're having a hearing. On what his salary will be. Yeah, you're having a hearing with a guy that's not even your guy. So you got to go, well, he's your guy, but he's really not your guy. He hasn't pitched for you yet. And now in arbitration, you got to go in and hammer him because that's what happens. You You have an arbiter, and you got the team, and you got the player. 
and you have to go in and argue against the player. So the Mets are now going to go argue against Chris Bassett, and he's never thrown a pitch for him yet? You think that goes over well? It's interesting. It really is. Do you see what I'm saying now? Yeah. Like, so, all right, take, take, take Matt Chapman. The Toronto Blue Jays obviously said, okay, we'll give him $25 million for two years to buy that. But if I'm a team, wouldn't you rather have the A's work out the deal and now when I trade for Sean Mania, I already know what I got to pay him? Yeah. I get where you're saying, coming with that. Then you can also you can also trade for him and give him an extension. Too. I can, but I don't have to. No. and you don't He's have to- making nine points. If, if, if I'm – give me a team. Yankees. Okay. I'm Brian Cashman. If I trade for Sean Mania a week ago, I got to deal with this. But now I trade for Sean Mania, I don't have to deal with anything. I just say, here's the ball, take it every five days. And you're making $9.75 million. I'll deal with you later. But if I trade for him a week, a, a week ago, I got to come to grips with him. And maybe he thinks, oh, I'm coming to the Yankees. I want more money. And then I got to do what Bassett's doing with the Mets. I now got to go to arbitration with a guy who's technically never even thrown a pitch for me yet. He just got to camp and you already are, your guys are already going to be hearing about money. Yeah, I got to go fight against you about money and you haven't gotten one out for me. That just seems uncomfortable. So that's why... I could be totally wrong, but I think now this sets up the process, makes it easier to trade. You know what Manaya is. If you're a team trading for Manaya, I know what I got to pay him. If I'm trading for Montas, I know what I got to pay him. And here are the prospects that I'll give. Here's the money I'm taking on. It's a business. You always have to know the dollar amount. The dollar amount is key because you have books. You have accounting. You have an ownership group that said this – I think what people don't understand is that baseball is a business and that ownership and the accounting department gives the front office a number of what they can work with. For some reason, we act like these vice president of baseball operations or baseball president or GM, whatever whatever your title is, that these guys are deciding the money that can be spent. I really believe baseball fans think that. That they think that these guys who get these fancy titles run the checkbook. And the answer is, no, they don't. They're told what they can spend. They're told what the parameters are. When they have to go spend, you give me a contract, whether it's Bryce Harper or it's Manny Machado or it's Lindor or it's Mookie Betts, you have to go to ownership. Hey, we want this guy. This is what it's going to cost to sign him. Are you cool with that? You think a general manager just goes, oh, I'm just going to sign this guy for $300 million. It's not his money. Accounting looks at everything. Accounting, the accounting department looks at what you're making off television, what you're making off attendance, what you're making off merch, what you're getting from baseball. And they look at all that and they put it all together in these fancy graphs and all this kind of stuff. And then they go to the front office and they say, this is what ownership approves. Ownership approves a hundred, we'll just throw a number out there, $140 million payroll up and around there. 
So then you know as a GM or vice president of baseball opera, you know, all those stupid titles these guys have, you know you got around $140 million to spend. And I can do it with 25 players. Well, it then switched to 26 players, and now it's switching to 28 players for, what, the first month. But that's what you got. Ownership doesn't say, here's a blank check, spend whatever you want. Oh, yeah, go over that luxury tax. Nope. Every single guy who runs an organization has a limit. He doesn't have an unlimited, uh, he doesn't have that black card where he can just spend as much as he wants. Or gal, as much as she wants. Kimming and Florida. Kimming and Florida with the uh, Miami Marlins, I guarantee he doesn't have a black card. She can't spend whatever she wants on players. She did re-sign Sandy Alcantara, though. But, yeah, you're right. They're they're not spending, you know, they're, they've been rumored to be on in on some players like Castellanos and... The Jorge Soler signing was a good move for them, three years of 36 with opt-outs. But yep. you're right. She's not going to get the, the green light to go out and sign Bryce – or no, Bryce Hart's a bad example. Uh, Bryce Freddie, Harper? Fr- Freddie Freeman and, you know, the Dodgers this offseason spent $266.2 million on their payroll. That's yeah. not even the most. Yeah, you sent the uh, you sent the, the ESPN article. Now, obviously, we're in different times. It's hard to compare. The article is a little bit misleading. Because times are different, and you can't you can't compare the actual dollar amount of 2022 to let's say 1992. But you can compare percentages of how much stuff's gone up in free agency. But the article from ESPN says most money ever spent in an offseason on free agents. Think about that one for a moment. We spent 99 – how many days was the lockout? 99. 99 days we spent lockout. 99 bitching and complaining about every little penny, and yet in the end, the owners and the players have agreed to more money ever in the history of free agency. The the previous high before this year was $2.4 billion in 2016. This year, with 130 players having signed major league contracts, for a whopping $3.265 billion – that's a 36% increase uh, since then. So I'm wondering, percentage-wise, what's the largest increase ever, though, in free agency? Uh, I don't know if, that's, if that was in there, but 36% is pretty good from the highest. But do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, Because I'm not going to compare dollar amounts of the 2001 or 1991 or, you know. But there's been years where guys have raked it in free agency, just the money was different. Like, here's an example. Here's the five biggest spenders of this offseason. The Rangers, $580.7 million. Okay, what, now notice what we're going to talk about here. The majority of these teams are losing teams. So, losing team Rangers, check. Dodgers, two, $266.2 million. Winners on the other side, check. So, 1-1. One, one. The New York Metropolitans, $258.5 million. Losers. They go into the loser category. That's two. The Detroit Tigers at 235.5. Loser category, three. Now, this one's going to be interesting they had a winning record last year. The Philadelphia Phillies at 200, $204.15 million. Loser category because they were in the playoffs. Okay, so here's the teams that spent the least. Okay, okay, so there's five teams that spent the most. One of them's a winner. One's a winner. Four were losers. And you might say, huh, but that's the reality. The losers have been waiting to spend money. 
right? Yeah. The losers, like Texas, we knew. New ballpark. COVID screwed that up. They weren't able to have fans. But they've had money that they've wanted to spend. Free agents realize, okay, I'm going to look I'm gonna look foolish getting on camera at a news conference saying that I'm here to be a winner. But the teams with the most money to spend in the offseason were teams that were losers. Yeah. Are you are – you- Quoting Chris Bryant again with the uh, Chris Bryant. <laughs> Chris Bryant went to Colorado to be a winner, and he likes the school districts. Uh, so here's the, the teams that spent the least. Now, obviously, we everyone knows our fan base knows that we haven't signed a free agent yet, so our is zero. The Cleveland Guardians, who people think could be competitive, spent nine hundred thousand dollars in free agency. So we're zero. They're nine hundred grand. All right. The Cincinnati Reds, who traded everybody away, essentially besides Joey Votto, who they can't trade. Sent five point five million. The Baltimore Orioles seven point nine million, and the Milwaukee Brewers twelve point nine million dollars. Now the Brewers are interesting because we know what they did last year, winning their division. They are a division winning team. They have a very good uh, pitching staff with Brandon Woodruff and reigning Cy Young winner Corbin Burns, who is looking to repeat as a Cy Young winner. But they spent twelve point nine million dollars in free agency as a team that won the division. It could be a favorite. Well, I don't think it would be the favorite in the National League anymore, but they're a team that, that is competitive. And real quick on them, Josh Hader, new deal yesterday, agreed to an arbitration deal of $11 million. So Hader got paid. But let's see if he's – every year, what do we hear about Josh Hader every year? Oh, well, Get traded. Or the Brewers going to trade him. So the, I'll run through the numbers again. The A's were one. It, us at zero. So we haven't signed one free agent. No. Major League contract, no. Sounds like an Oakland A already. Guardians at 900000 too. Reds at $5.5 million at three. The Baltimore Orioles at $7.9 million at four. And the Milwaukee Brewers at $12.9 million for fifth. My Pittsburgh Pirates have spent more money than these teams have. I don't understand that. I don't understand how that's possible. They haven't even signed anybody that I know of of note. The boss is here. Yeah, now we gotta now we gotta be on Everything yeah. changes once yeah. the boss gets <laughs> yeah. here. Everything changes. Ah. Coming up next, we will talk about the team that probably is in it for our pitchers. That's the New York Yankees right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. So we mentioned earlier today how Frankie Montas has settled for just over five, Manaya almost ten. Will it make it easier for David Forrest to move these guys? And this might be – I know it's hard to hear this because it sucks, but the reality is the Yankees are kind of desperate right now. And the Yankees are in a situation where – they're getting a lot of heat at home. And in a market like that, it does matter. You can't be perceived as the competition is outdoing you. And when that competition is the Mets, who you've always been like, you've always been. They're like the they're, they're like they're 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 the garbage down the street, right? Other than what, nineteen eighty six 
Or I would say the late 80s. Now, the Mets were king in the late 80s. You wouldn't remember that. But that's the Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden. Yankees are garbage. I watched the 30 for 30. Very good. Okay, but they were gar- the Yankees were garbage. Even though they had Mattingly and Winfield, they were terrible. That's the thing. Like, when I was a kid growing up, other than when I was real young, the Yankees were good. When I was in high school, I've told you this, right? My first A's game that I went to when I moved here for college. Yeah. Was A's Yankees. Yankees were terrible. That was like Kevin Moss and that group. They were terrible. <laughs> and uh, the and the A's were king, right? So so in the late eight so late eighties the Mets had their time. But even when the Mets had their time, what year did they go to the World Series? They fa- faced the two thousand or two thousand one? There was two thousand. The Subway Series, yes. So, yeah, so so but other than that, the Mets have always been garbage down the street to the New York Yankees. But the Mets have reached the World Series more recently than the New York Yankees have. What was it, 2015 when they lost to the Royals? But you understand what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. I'm just so so and then your rival, the Boston Red Sox, are signing Trevor Story when Heim Bloom's been running the Red Sox like the Rays. I mean, at some point, the Yankees, they, you know, people are looking around going, what are you doing? You're not acting like the Yankees. You know who we could bring on? My old friend Brandon Tierney on his show on CBS uh, has been going off on this. Randy Miller is going to join us, who covers the Yankees for the New Jersey Advanced Media. Tierney's been going off on that. Like, Yankee fans are like, what are you doing? Everybody else is making moves, and Anthony Rizzo, who did not play well for them down the stretch, is what you're bringing back? So this may be a great time for the A's to kind of, you know, kind of dangle some pitching out there, and why not? We talked about who will be a great return for one of those guys. Why not take Labor Torres back? Oh, my God, I'd do that. Wouldn't you do that in a second? He'd be... He'd be the answer at second base automatically. Or you can split him with Tony Kemp, lefty-righty. But still, I mean, you have the – now with Steven Piscotti and his shoulder issue, you can put Tony Kemp in the outfield. Because if Piscotti, for some reason, isn't ready for opening day, I'd take Labor Torres in a second. Maybe. What's it's- up with that? When you sent me that yesterday, I, I could not believe it. Yeah, apparently it's – So now Sp- Piscotti last year it was wrist, this year it's shoulder. It's like, are you serious? Yeah, he went to see a specialist yesterday in New York or uh, Los Angeles. He has a left shoulder discomfort, and but he says he is optimistic that he will be ready for opening day. So let's see. You're going to see a specialist with two and a half weeks to go? Never a good sign. I mean, if you're not ready to go – after everything, how many years are? Is this the last year of his deal? I'm pretty sure it is. Yes. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, at some point you're like, you just can't stay healthy, and that's just brutal. Uh, Randy is with us. Randy, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. You know, the two longest tenured guys in our business that have been calling the shots for their ball clubs are Billy Bean and Brian Cashman. And they have been friends, and they have been close for a long, long time. Uh, I mean, you can go back to the late 90s and even into the 2000s where Billy Bean was helping Brian Cashman about data and changing things. 
Uh, I could easily see the Yankees and the A's doing a deal for Sean Manaya, maybe even Frankie Montas, and how much would that help the Yankee rotation? Well, the Yankees would like to get another starting pitcher. Uh, I asked that around the organization to people, and from what I hear, as close friends as, as Billy and Cash are, that the, it's tough for them to work deals. They did work one a few years ago with Sonny Gray. That didn't work out great with the Yankees. But uh, I've heard that uh, that Cash has trouble doing deals with close friends and that that, uh, that might be uh, tough to get a deal done with Nia. Yeah, some people are a little afraid that when you, when you do a deal with Billy Bean, it uh, always comes out smelling like roses on his end, and it doesn't always look so good for you. Right, just like Tampa Bay. Uh, everybody says uh, nobody should do a deal with them because everything they get uh, turns to gold, and uh, if they want uh, <laughs> to give you someone, you should say, what's wrong with the guy? <laughs> it's kind of like that with Oakland, too. Well, I mean, you think about the success of the Rays. You think about what Toronto's doing, and Toronto's acquiring people. Toronto's got money. Toronto's looking to pay and get better. Hein Bloom has finally opened up the checkbook and brought in Trevor's story. Uh, is, is there pressure on the Yankees before the start of the season on doing stuff? I know how Steinbrenner's talk, Cashman's talk, but how much pressure is on them to actually make some moves? I asked Tell Steinbrenner that question about a week ago when he talked to us. I've asked Brian Cashman that question, and they continuously say there's no pressure on us. We're going to make our decisions that's best for your organization. Uh, a lot of Yankee fans are up in arms now because the Mets are spending so much money. They've never had to deal with uh, a team in their city outspending them. Uh, but that said, I believe that they need to get a catcher. Uh, and I think that uh, that's the first priority right now. They have an extra infielder right now. Uh, right now, DJ LeMay is going to be a guy that probably sits on opening day and uh, rotates around. And he has a, I think, five or six more, five, six, five more years, I think, on a $15 million contract. That's a lot of money for a, an extra infielder. Uh, so I think that they need to that possibly a deal with the Cubs for Wilson Contreras. I know that the, the Yankees like him. I know he's available. The Cubs got a, a catcher in the offseason. So uh, it, it comes down to can they work a deal? It wouldn't shock me if a bigger deal is made with the Cubs where Glaber Torres is sent back to the Cubs. That's where he started out. The Yankees got him in that Araldis Chapman deal in, uh, what was it, 16, the year the Cubs uh, won the World Series. But right now, Chapman uh, Torres is coming off two bad seasons. He looks different this year. I think he's going to have a better year. He had the 38 homers a couple years ago, and I think that got in his head, and it, it messed him up uh, defensively, and he's back more comfortable at second base. But it wouldn't shock me if the Yankees could work a deal with the Cubs for Contreras and maybe a bigger deal where they get a starting pitcher or a pretty good reliever in a deal uh, sends Torres back to the Cubs. I'm so glad you brought up Torres because we've kind of been thinking about it on our end. And if there's going to be some type of deal going on, because there was even rumors that Frankie Montas and Sean Manaya could be a package deal for the Yankees. And I think about when, you know, Glaber came up next, you know, people wanted to put him in Cooperstown already. And as you said, last couple of years hasn't been the same, but you've watched him every day. I want you to look at it from the Oakland A's perspective. How good would it be for them? And if you were covering the A's, would you like to see the A's acquire Torres? 
Well, there's a lot of upside there. He's, he's a personal guy that uh, definitely would be a fan favorite. Uh, I think he's better at second base. So, sure, I, if, if you're an Oakland A fan, you you definitely want that. The question is, uh, if he goes to the A's, how long are they going to keep him? Because he's, what, that's three, three years uh, now. So, are they going to get rid of him in a year or two when his arbitration number goes higher? But from a player standpoint, I think that could take pressure off him. He likes being the guy. Uh, he could possibly hit third. I don't see Torres going to the A's. You know, the Yankees like their, their rotation. When you look at the Yankees' rotation right now, they're really happy with Nestor Cortez, who is kind of a, a Jamie Moyers type. I was around Jamie. I was a Phillies writer for 16 years, and, and I watched Jamie Moyer get guys out throwing 82, 84 miles an hour when he was 45, 46. And Cortez last year, I'd seen him around a lot. He'd been in the organization for a few years, bounced around. And he comes up last year and started the second half of the season, and he was their best starter in the second half, even better than Garrett Cole. So that's the guy that you look at and say, okay, uh, people are thinking that he'll just go right to middle relief, but they want him in the rotation. They really like Jordan Montgomery, who got a lot better last year. So there's there's two lefties there. Severino is a guy in his only two full healthy seasons as a big league starter was, I think, top five or top six. Cy Young made the All-Stars both years. I had an ERA under three one year, won 19 games another year. So they look at Severino and think that can be a really good number two with a Garrett uh, – Number one, uh, they also have Jamison Tyon, who last year was his first year back from the second Tommy John, did not do well in the first half, but look at his numbers in the second half. He was uh, a URA around three, has a really big curveball. Uh, they like they like him. So I think that they would like to get some pitching depth. Uh, Herman right now is going to start the season on the injured list. That's kind of a swingman type for them who won 18 games a couple years ago before the the suspension for the domestic violence thing, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think they're going to go all out to get a starting pitcher because other teams need starting pitchers as a two, three, four guy more than the Yankees, and I just don't see the Yankees outbidding other teams because they're not desperate for starting pitching. You know, you you start talking about the additions for the Yankees, and you know how much we love Josh Donaldson. He, he he's a friend. Have known him for years. Obviously, the A's, Kiner Falefa, we've seen him in division. Um, if everybody stays healthy, the thing that I like about J.D. and Kiner Falefa is the kind of hardcore, kind of red ass that they bring on an everyday basis. They bring that edge every single day. That works in some clubhouses, doesn't work in every clubhouse. How do you think that works with the Yankees? I'm not sure on Donaldson. I know that when he got here for the first day, the first thing he did was go into the manager's office and try to iron things out with Garrett Cole, who was hurt last year by the, the criticism. Cole has uh, a big say in the team, big part of the clubhouse. Uh, I know that the Yankees love that Donaldson is an old-school gamer, that he wants to win, and that's the common denominator there between Cole and Donaldson as they, they, they came to terms like, look, we both want to win and we'll get past what we had in the past, uh, past problems. Uh, kind of Felipe has surprised me. I didn't know much about him and I've had two pretty good talks with him. And, and you're right. Uh, this guy's a gamer too. Uh, he went out in the off season, I guess during the lockout, his last five weeks, he flew from Dallas to Los Angeles and had uh, hitting, I guess he would go Friday and have three days of hitting and uh, head sessions with, um, Turner, third baseman for the Dodgers, 
and and Justin Turner really was trying to help him put some lift in the ball, teaching him to hit the ball the other way more. And this guy's really, really focused. And he's also, uh, he, he loves being a Yankee more than anyone in my seven years on the beat. This guy, uh, I, I think he's going to thrive in New York. I think he's going to be a fan favorite. I know the Yankee fans are disappointed that they didn't go for Correa. They didn't go for Story. They didn't go for Seager. They didn't go for any of the top shortstops. I thought they would get a stopgap. I thought they'd get Simmons. But the, I think they've got a better guy here, and he's going to be a guy that when their number one prospect, Anthony Volpe, who the Yankees think that is, it can turn into another Jeter, and about 10 scouts that I've talked to feel the same way. Uh, guys, I've talked to uh, people that had him coaching 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. They all think that way. This kid is, is going to be special. And uh, I think Connor Felipe could down the road, if the Yankees keep him transition into a into that utility position player that's uh, so important nowadays more so than past years. Yeah, that's no pressure. You can only be the next Derek Jeter. Don't worry about that kind of pressure. I, I know, but if, I've been doing this a long time, and this kid's makeup for someone not in the majors is number one of anyone I've been around, not even close second. Wow. It's, uh, I, I remember this name, Anthony Volpe. He, last year, he was uh, – top player in the minor leagues he was in low a and high a he'll be in double a this year probably end in triple a i wouldn't be surprised to see him in the big leagues by next year and uh this kid's going to be a superstar in baseball you know we all know our organizations better than anybody else and i remember cj nikowski for the rangers and also sirius xm we had this conversation uh, about the Rangers and the A's in the division. And so I think about you, the Yankees, and the AL East. And, you know, from afar, this division looks like a battle royale. I mean, you take the Orioles out. We know how tough the Rays are. The money and the acquisitions uh, that the Blue Jays have been doing the past couple of years, and their young crop has now grown. You think about the Boston Red Sox. How do you handicap this division before the start of the year? Tough division. My pick would be the Blue Jays right now. I saw them yesterday, and uh, Montgomery pitched, and first four guys, line singles. Fifth guy hits a ball to the wall that's caught, and I just remember seeing that last year. Now they have third baseman Chapman, who's replaced Semyon. Uh, I, I think they're uh, going to be really, really good. I think their starting pitching will be okay. I worry about their bullpen. I think they'll end up getting a closer or finding someone. I think they're the best team. I look at the A's, the uh, Rays roster every year, and I just I don't know how they do it, but <laughs> they're always better than everyone thinks. They play the game the right way. Uh, they they manage the analytics better than everyone else. Uh, they they are the team that's smarter than everyone now. It used to be the A's. It's the Rays now that outsmarts everyone and wins with the least talent it's 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 amazing what the, what the a's and the rays do with with the payroll and uh so the rays i think are going to be good again uh, the yankees will be good again uh, the red sox i i think the red sox are the fourth best team i wonder i worry about their pitching uh, sal is hurt I, I like story i like their their offense but uh i think they would be a threat to win other divisions but they could be squeezed out of the playoffs possibly because the aoe's is just so powerful yeah, and I got to think if uh, you're one of these teams that's going to be battling the AL East, you have to really like the fact that you have the expanded playoffs, correct? 
sure, because if you just get in, you never know what can happen. If you get in, you get a couple uh, hot pitching pitching performances. Uh, you can go a long way. Uh, you know, ha- having the best team. Look at all those years with Atlanta. They won the division 14 years in a row, and they win one World Series. So that shows you if you get in, you can even knock out uh, the Braves with Maddox, Smoltz, Slavin. Uh, so it's just get in. Nowadays, the talent, I think, is more even than, than past years. You look back at the 70s and it was the Reds and Dodgers and Pirates. There were just, there were just fewer teams that could really get in the playoffs and win. And now I look at it and it wouldn't shock me if you go around the AL and you say six, seven teams could win the World Series this year. Yeah, I mean, and, and speaking of the Atlanta Braves, my God, they won 88 games last year and they won the World Series. And so it's we, we are now into more of a, a tournament-style atmosphere in the postseason for baseball. And uh, – uh, hopefully it will translate into more fans enjoying our great game. Before we let you go, anything on the new rules that are being implemented that you like, dislike? How did you see them? I, I, I hate the uh, ghost runner rule. I'm, I'm so old school. Uh, I know that the, uh, the robo pumps are coming probably in a year or two. Um, today's big thing was, was Aaron judge. That was the big story we're working on. Normally I would have talked to players about that, but, uh, Judge and the Yankees did not settle on a uh, contract. There's been for you filed arbitration numbers yesterday. Yeah. And uh, he commented on it today and uh, he's disappointed. So that was the big thing I was working on for him. But uh, I, I just hate the ghost rule. The doubleheaders, I'm glad they're back to nine innings. I'm just, I'm so old school baseball. I'm, I'm 57. So I, I, I don't like change. I, I get it uh, that it can be exciting, but it's like the shootout in hockey. I'm a, Native Pittsburgh or big Penguins fan and, and uh, grew up in the Lemieux era. And now I see the shootout and if I'm at a game, it's fun to watch, but it's just not real hockey. And some of this stuff in baseball is not real baseball. It's video game baseball. And I, I still think that the sport is a great sport that if you get two good pitching performances, it's a two to one game that it's uh, that's worthwhile. Now, anything can happen when it comes to contracts and money. Like I've always thought it's a foregone conclusion. Yankees judge, they get something done. Do you see him long-term as a Yankee, or do you see there could be some uh, rocky waters and maybe the Yankees may have to make a move there? Uh, Judge said today a couple times again that he wants to be a Yankee for life. Uh, he loves being a Yankee. If, if they don't get something done, he'll become a free agent. And it'll, at that point, it'll be interesting to see if they lowball him. I was talking to Aaron today, and I said, this is your one shot of free agency. He went to college at Fresno State, and he's a guy that this is his one shot. He'll be 31 years old of free agency. So I think he'll try to get seven years, maybe eight years, and take him until he's 38, 39 years old. And at that point, uh, I, I don't think he's going to want to get a four or five-year deal. Will the Yankees offer him five? That could force him to free agency. And if that happens, I would think the one team that, that he would uh, go to would be the Giants because he grew up a Giants fan. He's a big family man. His parents are from out that way. Um, that's the team that would be the dark horse, I think, to get Judge if he doesn't sign here. I think he will sign here, but I don't think it will happen until next year. Randy, great stuff. Enjoy spring training. We'll talk to you during the season. Okay, thanks for having me. Randy Miller, Wow. There you go, Giant fans. If you're a San Francisco Giant fan, does that uh, tickle you right there? Aaron Judge, that 
You know, maybe the Yankees are wising up and giving long-term contracts for big money doesn't exactly work uh, all too often. That maybe Judge defensively, maybe Judge doesn't age well. My age regression model kicks in right there. And the Giants landing a big star, Larry Bear, would he'd salivate over that idea. Bringing Aaron Judge from California, he's from the Valley. If you're a San Francisco Giant fan, that would have to float your boat. But what about Mike Yastrzemski? Where's he going to play? Are you serious? No. Uh, that'd be great for them. Are you serious? Name the last big free agent slugger the Giants brought in. Now, Randy had the story a few years ago where they were in on Bryce Harper, and then he ended up going to the Phillies. But what was the last big slugger they brought in? Couldn't even tell you. Barry Bonds? That was a long time ago. That was a four- Oracle Park or whatever they're that you it signed now. a free agent that you actually because Hunter Pence was traded traded there yeah and didn't sign. When's the last time they signed a big time? But if I'm the San Francisco Giants and I hear that, if I'm a Giants fan, I'd be like, wow. But Aaron Judge, I'm hearing Ellis Burks, Ellie Burks. I liked Ellis Burks. Um, Aaron Judge, interesting, because. Where do you go? I mean, seriously, you leave the Yankees. Like I said, this is not like the Yankees when I was growing up at times where they were last place and terrible. This is the Yankees in modern baseball. Where do you go if you leave the Yankees? Unless you just hate the limelight, you hate the media, you hate playing on the biggest stage, which I'd question you're soft. Um, <laughs> how do you leave the Yankees? Where are you going to go? Uh, well, see – before Carlos Correa signed that deal with the Twins, I'd say not many places, but apparently twin teams like the Twins can just structure a deal like, we'll give you three. You want to leave the you want to leave New York City to go play in Minnesota? Carlos Correa left a winning situation in Houston with those big bugs and the humidity that they got. Oh. It could be snowing when the season starts in Minnesota. Oh. You could I, seriously Twins. Uh, no offense, beautiful ballpark. Uh, I can see Aaron Judge as a way for it. Los Angeles Angel. And, and, yes, you could live in Newport Beach and live a wonderful life and make a lot of – What do you mean? He can commute from Fresno. It's not New York. How do you leave the Yankees to go be an angel? What if you left to be a Met? You're going to take off the tradition of the pinstripe. I hate the Yankees, but I respect them because they are the number one sports organization in the United States of America. It is what it is. They're the New York freaking Yankees. You're going to take a Yankee uniform off to put an Angel Disneyland uniform on? I love. Are it. you kidding me? I'd love it more if it was the Mets. I really would. If he was like, you know what, I'm staying in New York. Okay, that'd be juice. But I'm going to Queens. I always loved Daryl Strawberry. I want to be a Met. I loved Mike Piazza. I want to be a Met. I, I could if he signed with the Mets, uh, that outfield with their outfield would be what? Marte would still be there because uh he has a four year deal. So they'd have a pretty good team still in New York and you know Cohen's gonna keep spending money. Who knows what Lindor looks like in a couple of years when Aaron Judge will that, be there. you know <laughs> what? Judge leaving the Yankees to go to with the Mets would be awesome. We have no skin in that game, but it would just that's like uh that's kind of like a backyard cage fight right there that you just it's like it's you don't want you don't want really want to be a part of it but you'd love to watch it. 
it would be incredible theater. And to watch Yankee and Met fans hate each other, it's just and fight each other, be great. I might have to create a special uh, column on TweetDeck for just Yankee and uh, Yankee and Mets fans just arguing the whole time what I'm seeing on. Oh, to, to get that, it would it would blow up sports talk again. Uh, I, I think uh, Mike and the Mad Dog might have to come back and do a reunion. Reunited, show. <laughs> and it feels so good. Yeah. If that was something that happened, if he left, well, that's and- something. My guy, I, you know, listening to uh, High Heat. Russo's all over the Yankees. I mean, all the the Yankee people are like, "What's up? We're getting outspended by the Mets. We're not doing anything. We're the Yankees, and the best thing you got is bringing on old man Donaldson and his money." And like, you know, it's funny just to show you the world that they live in. Randy Miller, as he said, I've been doing this a long time. I really don't know much about uh, Kiner Falefa. They don't care about us out here. They don't care about the Midwest, the South, or the West. If you're not in their northeast world, they don't care about you. Like, they have no idea who the hell Frankie Montas is or Shamanaya. They don't. If you're not in the Yankees' radar, if you're not in the northeast, they've got – their media's got no clue. They have no idea. I could be out here hitting 800 home runs, and they'd have no idea. Uh, I think – so you're saying the only reason they know who Josh Donaldson is is because he played in Toronto? Yeah, because I mean, that's probably accurate. Uh, they know uh, they don't know anything about him. A- A's Josh Donaldson. Do you, do you remember Cleveland Guardians legend Josh Donaldson? Because I, I mean, I, that I was that do. was bad calf Josh Donaldson. <laughs> no, Atlanta Braves Josh legend Josh Donaldson was a, that was what got him all that money with Minnesota. But yeah, I, I know what you mean with the Yank. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Like I re- I reached out to a few different people yesterday from New York to come on, and no one either got back to me or they were um, uh, they couldn't do it. So, I mean, it's all about the Yankees, and I think they're worried about Aaron Judge. And Let me ask deal. you a question. Glaber Torres has had some throwing issues, right? I told you about this already. Jer- so did Jerickson Profar, and he played I just, I'm asking you a question. True or false? Glaber Torres has had some throwing issues. Yes. Glaber Torres has had a couple off years. Uh, that is also correct. Glaber Torres is at a very young age, and he's cheap. Yep, he's 24, won't be 25 until later this year. Sounds like an oh. Oakland A already to me. Sorry, he's 25, will be 26. Absolutely. Let me ask Wash. Wash, it's easy to play defense. It's incredibly hard. <laughs> Sounds like an Oakland A already. Bring me Glaber Torres. Who do you want? I'll give you Sean Maniah and Frankie Montas. Go ahead, take him. Uh, Glaber Day? So last year, Glaber Torres, it's shortstop. Can we don't it? have a second baseman. We've got guys that dabble in different positions. We don't have a second baseman. Uh, Labor, you're playing second base. Roll it over to first. I don't care. Just hit. Put it. Put him at first base. We don't have a first base. DH. Either. I mean, he's young. Let's let him. Let's get his uh, career back on track. 18 errors last year at shortstop. One at second base in 19 games. There's his numbers last year. Roll the ball over to first. We don't even have a first baseman, let alone a second baseman. Yeah, that's why I said. Well. We th- Billy McKinney is going to be the opening day. Jonah Bride, our new first baseman? I think Billy McKinney is going to be the opening day first baseman. Sounds like an Oakland A already. That would be perfect. Labor Torres, oh, that would be so good. That's a name you could, like, you want to talk about having a guy that you could, like, bring in and kind of, you know, sell some tickets? Give you a reason to say, hey, look what we got going here. Pache comes up, plays center field. You got Labor Torres at second. You got some guys that you're actually, you're looking at some talent. You know, in, in a year that you're retooling, as fans, you want to see some talent on the field. You know you're not going to go out there and win 97 games, but you want to be entertained. Show me some talent. 
This Pache kid looks like he's got talent. You bring in Glaber Torres, you know, this Hoglin guy, could we see him this year maybe? Well, he has Tommy John. He has Tommy John, so no. Is he out for the entire year? Well, he had Tommy John last May, so maybe. You maybe see him. At some point? Yeah, he might see him later in the year. Can we see some guys at some point? Sneed was pitching the other day. Adam Oler starting today. Oller? Is it Oler or Oller? Oller, actually. Adam yeah. Oller pitching today. Oller's pitching today. I mean, give me some talent. Let's see some talent. This Kevin Smith guy we know has got pop. Play third, short, second. You know we're also going to see today in the game? Seiya Suzuki from the Cubs. They paid him a lot of money. Not only they paid him a lot of money, but it's called the transfer fee, or what's the fee called? Posting uh, fee. Posting fee, yeah. They paid a lot of money for this guy. Hope it pays off for him. Glaber Torres. Sounds like an Oakland A already to me. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to A's Cast Live. Great show. Alex Coffey joined us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Randy Miller from the New Jersey Advance Media talking about the Yankees. We did Phillies and Yankees. We're back on Friday from 11 to 1, getting you ready for A's baseball. Up next, from Sloan Park, it's the A's and the Cubbies right here on A's Cast and the A's Radio Network. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.